Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church Podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. Welcome back to 1 Corinthians. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to chapter 12. Uh, that hope, I hope that sounds familiar to you because we actually just did it about six weeks ago. This was one of the chapters I read as part of talking about community as one of the marks of discipleship. And I thought when I put this series together after, uh, after that one that I would just skip chapter 12. We'd just done it a little while ago. We'd move right on. But as I got into it, kind of thought, ah, you know, you... You need to understand chapter 11 to understand chapter 12. You need to understand chapter 12 to understand chapter 13. Like Paul wrote it this way. I should probably preach it this way. Going through the flow of what he has to say. So it's not that I'm gonna say anything particularly new or different from what I said six weeks ago. But if you think about what, what happened last week, where Paul is coming from, just that, that scathing chapter we read about people being selfish, not caring about the church, not caring about their brothers and sisters, just being concerned with themselves. That's where Paul's coming from as he moves in now and talks about community. So read along with me, if you will. We're gonna read chapter 12 of the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given that one spirit to drink. So, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it does not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it does not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem the weakest are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, 
but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So if you've followed along with us before, you'll recognize these first couple words when Paul says, now about the. We've talked about how the Corinthians sent Paul a letter with a bunch of questions. We don't have that letter, but we can kind of infer what the questions are from his answers. He's picking up another one of these questions. They've asked him something about spiritual gifts. And he's going to answer them, but he's not going to start answering them until verse 7. Because first he's going to kind of walk them through, again, this idea that he's brought up over and over again, and he's going to keep bringing up in this letter, of of the, the diversity in the body of Christ, which mirrors the diversity in the world, but then also the unity that should be there as well. And so first he talks about how we used to be scattered. We used to be all these different things. That's what he means when he says, when you were pagans, somehow or another you were influenced. He means there are lots of different influences on you before you knew Jesus. You all said tons of different things. Some people worshiped the Greek gods. Some people worshiped the mystery religions. Some people would have worshiped the emperor and his family. Some people would have been philosophers and said, oh, the gods, you know, it's more about living your life correctly. There were all these different ways that people lived and all these different things that people said. But now Paul says, by the Spirit, we all say the same thing. We all say, Jesus is Lord. That's what gives us unity. The same Spirit in each of us. If you are a follower of Christ, you have God's Spirit in you. And that by that same Spirit, we all say the same thing. Now, what we all say is not, oh, I believe this theological position, or I believe this political idea, or I'm in favor of this policy. What we all say is, Jesus is Lord. That's what unites us. And then he gives this little sort of intro to where he's going to talk about the gifts in verses four through six, where again, he's highlighting this diversity and this unity. Do you hear the repetition? Different kinds, but the same. Different kinds, but the same. Different kinds, but the same. When he says different kinds, it's a really interesting word. It's the only place in the Bible it ever gets used is these three verses. And for us, different is a very general word. He uses a very specific word. It's a technical term, almost. It's used in biology to explain the separation of the species, that mammals are not birds, birds are not reptiles, reptiles are not fish. He uses the word that that Aristotle used to explain that all the species are different. It it highlights the differences. If you're a word geek, um, it's a diaresis. That's, that's the Greek word, and we still use it today in English. It's the little dots you put above a vowel when there are two vowels together, but they must be said separately. So if you ever see the word naive written, N-A-I-V-E, and you look at that and you go, yes, naive, nave, nah, right? because it's confusing. Two vowels together, we should say them together. So we put these two little dots over the I. N-A-I, two little dots, a diaresis that says, no, 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 those have to be separate. You can't say them the same. It's naive. You say it as two separate syllables. That's this word. It highlights 
the differences. Like Paul's not just saying, oh yeah, they're kind of different. He's saying they are totally different. They are totally different like fish are different from birds. They are totally different like you better say those two vowels separately or you are gonna mess up that word and nobody's gonna know what you're talking about. There are different kinds of gifts, completely different kinds of gifts, but it's the same spirit. The gifts come from the same place, even though they're wildly different, Paul says. They come from the same place. There's different kinds of service. It's the word ministry. It's the word that, that gets used all the time in the Bible to, to talk about your, your, your ministry. There are different kinds of ministries, Paul says. There's different kinds of services. And we all know that to be true. Different people have wildly different ministries in the church of Jesus Christ. But Paul says, same Lord, same boss. If you work for a company in accounting or you work on the shop floor or you work in sales, you may never even meet each other. You have totally different jobs, but you have the same boss sooner or later. You get up high enough, you're gonna end up at the same person because you belong to the same company. The company has the same goals. Paul says, oh, people have all sorts of different ministries in the church. That's good and right, but we all have the same boss. And the last one might even be my favorite, different kinds of working. It's tough to translate into English because we, we don't have a word for this, but it means the result, the result of putting energy into something. So it can also be translated the effects or the results. There's different results, but it's the same God working. It's the same God putting energy into it. And isn't that true? Two people can do exactly the same thing. Two people can make the same recipe with the same ingredients, even in the same oven, and yet they come out totally differently. I play guitar and I watch these guys. I play the same notes on the same guitar with the same equipment. Heck, Karen is using my equipment. Why does it sound so much better when he plays it than when I play it? Different results. That's God, Paul says. That's God. There are different results. Things will work out differently Paul says, for different people who have different gifts and different ministries. But, Paul says, it's all God's energy going into it. God is putting energy into these things and then he is deciding what the results are gonna be. It, it's all from God. It's God's spirit at work. It's Jesus the Lord at work. And it's God, and I'll say God the Father at work. That should remind you of something. Paul's got the Trinity listed here. He's got God the Spirit, God the Son, and God the Father. And they're all at work in these things. And I suspect he's put it there because the Trinity is the ultimate example of what Paul's talking about. Diversity, completely different people, and yet unity. And no, I will not try and explain what the Trinity is. And I don't feel bad because Augustine couldn't explain it. Calvin couldn't explain it. I don't think Keller or Lewis have managed to explain it. God is so far beyond us. You know, in math, mathematically, we can get up to about 16 dimensions. I can write the equation for 16-dimensional space, but I can't see it. <laughs> I can't grasp it. I can't make an analogy. I can write it down. It's true, but I, I can't comprehend it with my brain. That's like the Trinity. Somehow, God is these three separate persons we call them but they're all the same God so Jesus is God and God 
the Father is God and God the Spirit is God and all together they're God and separately they're God. I don't know how that works. I just know that Jesus is God but he walks around on earth and he talks to somebody and somebody talks back. That when Jesus is getting baptized, the Spirit comes down upon him. They're separate and yet they are all the same. They have separate roles. God the Spirit and God the Father didn't die for us on the cross. God the Son did. Somehow, in the Godhead, you have these differences, these separate things, and yet they are completely unified. They are totally the same. They are all God individually. They are all God together. That's the sort of thing that Paul envisions for the church. Wildly different gifts, completely different ministries, totally separate results. It all looks different. And yet, it's all unified under that banner of Jesus is Lord. And so finally in verse seven, he begins to answer their question. Back in verse one, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, he says, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Manifestation of the Spirit. It it sounds very churchy. Um, It just means an appearing, something that's made clear. In every Christian... There's going to be a place where God's spirit shows up. There's going to be something in your life, or maybe multiple somethings. He doesn't say if it's limited or not. There's going to be some place in your life, if you follow Christ, because if you're a Christian, then you have God's spirit dwelling in you. That's going to come out somewhere. It's going to be obvious to people somewhere. There's going to be a place where the spirit is at work in you and it's beyond just you. And he lists a bunch of them. And this isn't exhaustive because he'll list other ones in Romans and he'll list other ones in Ephesians and Peter will list other ones in 1 Peter. I don't think even altogether they're exhaustive. He's just giving examples of ways that the spirit shows up in people's lives. Ways that the spirit is at work in different people. And do you notice some of them are pretty ordinary. To one through the spirit is given a message of wisdom. Have you ever gone and asked somebody for advice? And they give you really good advice. You're like, wow, that's really wise. I'm gonna do that. Now, did you say to yourself at that moment, the spirit of God is on that person. Lots of people are wise. We don't think of wisdom as being God's spirit at work. And yet Paul says, yeah, for some people it is. They're not wise naturally. They're wise because that's how God's spirit is at work. Other people have miraculous powers, which I think by definition we can say are miraculous. Some people have the gift of healing. If you saw a guy lying there with a broken leg, a woman walked up, put her hand on it, prayed, and you watched his leg knit itself back together again, I think we would all say, oh, that's God. That's miraculous. Some of the gifts are just phenomenally miraculous and incredible, and other ones seem ordinary. Wisdom, knowledge, faith. You meet somebody that has faith, they trust, they believe God. We don't say to ourselves, oh wow, that's the miraculous power of God. But Paul says, yeah, it is. It's God at work. Everyone, Paul says, has some way that the Spirit's gonna show up in your life. Something where it's not just you. It's God working through you. Some of them are gonna look banal. Some of them are gonna look incredible. There's this wide spectrum, he says. But notice, they all come from the same spirit. They all come from the same place. Do you see how many times he says that? There are 
different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. To each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given. To one through the Spirit. To another by means of the same Spirit. By the same Spirit. By that one Spirit. All of these are the work of one of the same Spirit. Like how many times is he going to say this in one paragraph? The same Spirit. This wild diversity of gifts. Again, stretching from the what looks totally natural and, and normal to the what looks really supernatural. All of that, Paul says, it all comes from the same source. It all comes from the same thing and then it spreads out into this incredible diversity. But then it all comes back together again because what he said in verse seven, to each one the manifestation of the spirit, a place where the spirit shows up in their life is given for the common good. All that that, that wild diversity of gifts. Again, that, that word he uses at the beginning, it really emphasizes the differences, the separation. That, that crazy separation of gifts. It comes from the Spirit, it goes out all over the place, and then it all come back together for the same purpose. It's all given for the common good, Paul says. And from that, he is going to use his absolute favorite analogy. He uses it here. He uses it in all sorts of other places. When Paul wants to explain this, he goes. To, he, this is his go-to explanation, and that is the human body. Because for him, the human body is a great way to think about this. I am obviously me. I'm Jeff. I'm one person. I'm a unit. I'm not any of you, and none of you are me. I am separate and distinct. I am one. And yet the number of things that are going on right now for me to stand here is unbelievable. I mean, my lungs are expanding. I'm taking in oxygen, taking in air, pulling oxygen out of it, putting CO2 in it, breathing out. As I breathe out, my vocal cords in my mouth are using that breath to communicate with you. I can breathe without communicating. Or I can use all that air to talk to you instead. And while that's going on, my legs are making all these little movements to the muscles, so I balance. And you know, heaven forbid, I should like walk somewhere and it really has to start operating again. My, the muscle movement in my legs and my lungs, they don't seem to have anything to do with each other. They're so, so completely different. And yet we all understand how important they are to each other. Without my lungs, my legs aren't able to work. And if my legs don't keep me upright, then I fall over and it's harder for you to see me. Our bodies have myriads of different things going on. Some that you see, some that are obvious. You hear the air coming out of my lungs, my mouth and vocal cords manipulating it. You don't hear my muscles moving. You're, some we are aware of, some we are not. Paul says, that's the church. We are both Christ's body. We talked about that before in this letter. And that is the example of how we're supposed to operate. Sure, we're all different. We, we all have these different roles, these different gifts. We get different results. We have different ministries. But we have the same purpose. My body has the same purpose. That, that's to keep me going, to do whatever it is that I need to do. I need to speak right now. And so my body is doing a myriad of things, keeping me standing, keeping air coming, manipulating my mouth and my vocal cords. All of those different things are happening, but for the same purpose. So I can stand up here and talk to you. Paul says, that's the church. We're all doing, are, they, are, do the, are the, leg, the legs are not involved with the vocal cords. They're not worried about it. They're totally separate, but they have the same purpose. 
right? The legs aren't walking me out the door because the purpose is I need to stand here. My vocal cords are not making me sing because I'm so excited about the songs we sang, right? I'm just gonna keep singing them. That's not my purpose. That's not why I'm here. All these different parts of my body are working together for the same purpose. Paul says, that's the church. All of us, all these different people with our different gifts, our different abilities, our different talents, our different ministries, our different results. Some of us get great results. Some of us get tiny results. All of that together, Paul says, it all has the same purpose, that Jesus is Lord. It is for the common good, Paul says, that these things happen. And he then, he's either preempting something they're gonna say or maybe they asked him some questions. But from 15 on through the end, he's bringing up these two main arguments. Why don't we do that? Why don't we think that way? Why don't I think to myself, yep, I have my own role and I have my own ministry and I have my own results and my own gifts. God has given me all of these things that are mine, but I'm to use them for the greater good. I'm not just to use them for me. I don't have all of this for me. I have it for the good of the church. Why don't we do that? And so Paul says basically, well, there's two reasons. The first one is 15 through 20. The first one is that we're insecure, that we look at other people and we say, oh, wow, man, I'm just not good enough. I can't sing like Natalie. I can't play guitar like Kieran. I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, I'm just a foot. I mean, compare your feet to your eyes. If we took a poll of everybody in this room, okay, you can have a foot or you can have your eyes, which do you, which you want. You're gonna lose either your feet or your eyes. Which one are you gonna lose? I would bet the vast majority of people would lose their feet because you can get artificial feet. You, you can get prosthetics. Like in our world, not being able to see is far worse than having to walk on an artificial foot. And so the foot says, oh, I don't matter. No, that's not the point, Paul says. It's not a competition. It's not a contest. It's not an either or. We're not supposed to be looking at other people and saying, oh, I can't do that. I don't get those results. I don't have those gifts. Why not? Because it all comes from the same guy. All of it, the gifts, they come from God. The ministry, it comes from God. The results come from God. The fact that one person does this and gets big results and another person does this and gets little results. Paul says, that's God. That's God working in them. We, we cannot compare ourselves to others and say, oh, I'm not as good as them. I'm not important. My, my ministry is, it's small and it's behind the scenes, so I won't do it. So it doesn't matter. Ask anyone if they want their feet. The question is not, are feet better than eyes? The question is, are you glad to have feet? There's some people in our church who can't use their feet. Ask them if they wish they could. Paul says the question is, are feet important? And the answer is yes. Yes, absolutely they are. If you are a foot, then yep, you're generally covered over by other things. And yeah, people don't notice you. Honestly, the only time feet get noticed is when they mess up. You know, if you trip over something, then people are gonna notice you. You kick something, then you're gonna notice feet. I am not aware of my feet. All the movements that my feet are making right now for me to be able to stand up here and walk back and forth. But they are, they're doing tons of stuff, but I don't even notice. You know, 
My mouth? Oh, I definitely notice what my mouth is doing. My, my eyes looking at you? I definitely notice those things. Am I glad my feet hold me up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We cannot look at other people. We're not supposed to look at other people. It all comes from God. You have the gifts you have because God has given them to you. You are good at the things you're good at because God has given that to you. You have the ministries you have because God has given them to you and you get the results you get because God has decided those are your results. That's all him. We're not to look at other people and say, oh, I'm not as good as that. I can't do that. We're supposed to look at him. It all comes from him. Then it spreads out among all of us, but it all comes back to him at the end. That's where we're supposed to be looking, back to him. We're supposed to be doing our part. What does God want from me? That's where I'm supposed to be going. I don't have to worry about who gets what results other places. That's God's business. The first reason Paul says we don't do this is because of insecurity. The second reason in verse 21 is its opposite, arrogance. That we look at other people, because again, comparison is always what gets us in trouble. We look at other people and we're like, oh wow, my gift is so much more important than yours. Why are you even here, right? I mean, the eye says to the foot, oh buddy, you, you're, you're nothing. You don't matter. Without me, it all comes to a grinding halt. Without you, we have to sit down. Just, and Paul, again, just completely shuts that down. It's like, no, no, that, that's not it at all. What good is an eye? I mean, seriously, if I put an eye here, I put my eye here on the table and left, how long will you stay here? How long do you stay here looking at my eye? On its own, an eye isn't worth anything. It needs all the rest of the body, Paul says, even to do what it's supposed to do. It needs all the rest of the body. We can never look at each other and look down on each other. We don't look at each other and look up and say, oh, wow, you know, I'm not gifted like that. And we never look down on each other and say, oh, wow, you aren't gifted like that, are you? We are not to do that, Paul says. Why? Why are these things true? Verse 18, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them just as he wanted. Verse 24, God has put the body together. God, it's all God. You have the gifts, abilities, talents. You are who you are because God. Now, now don't get me wrong. Sin has messed with us. Sin has ruined things. But you are who you are with your talents, your circumstances, what's happening to you, your gifting, your ministry, or your seeming lack thereof, your results, or again, your seeming lack thereof. All of that, Paul says, comes from God. We don't look at each other. We look at God because altogether we are the body of Christ. All of you, any one of you who calls yourself a Christian, any of you who have said to Jesus, yes, I need you to save me. I cannot save myself. Then Jesus' answer to that is always yes. And scripture says one of the things he does for you is he gives you his spirit. His spirit lives inside you. It connects you to him and to God the Father. And that spirit, Paul says, there's gonna be at least one place in everyone you know, some people like me, we are one-trick ponies, right? Some people, seems like God's spirit shows up all over the place for them. That's God. That's God 
who decides that. But if you are a follower of Christ, you have a place in your life where it's not just you. God's spirit shows up. He he manifests himself. He appears. He becomes visible. He becomes clear. And you have that, Paul says, to be part of what God is doing in the church, to be part of God's purpose. Jesus' work in the world. That is absolutely true of you. You should be using whatever that is. You should be using it to benefit God's people, to benefit the church. That's what he talked about last week. There were people in the church at Corinth that God had gifted with wealth. They had wealth. They had houses. They could host the church. Remember I said, most people don't have a house. They have a room somewhere and it's not theirs. It's from the government or it's from their boss. They can't bring people in and they don't have space. But there would have been some people in that church who were wealthy, that owned a house, probably multiple houses. They hosted the church. The church met in their house. There were no church buildings at that time. And they had communion every week and they provided it. They provided the bread. They provided the wine. They provided the food for everyone to come together. That was how God had gifted them. He gifted them with wealth. And that is the ministry God had given them to provide these things for the other people. And then you remember what Paul said. I mean, it seems like Eh, those guys are kind of, you know, inviting a couple of their other rich friends over ahead of time. And they're sort of eating the food before anyone else gets there. They're getting their pick of everything. So when the church gets together, you know, it's not really a meal anymore. It's more like some scraps because you've come together. And on the one hand, we think, well, it's my food and it's my house. So what if I eat it? And Paul says, no. No, 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 it's not yours. It's a gift from God. You have wealth because God has gifted you with that ability. You have this house because God has gifted it to you. Everything you have, Paul says, it all came from God. And you should be using it to support, to encourage, to build up God's people. All of us have some place in our life where the spirit is at work. Are you using it? Are you using it to build up God's people? Now, I can't tell you how to do that because I don't have your gifts and I don't have your ministries and I don't have your results, right? I'm standing up here because God asked me to because God gave me the gift of teaching and he asked me to take this ministry and I have to accept the results that he gives. That's his business. But as you know, there was a time 10 years ago when that wasn't true, when God had us elsewhere, but I still taught. I taught Sunday school, I taught the youth group. I I still used my gift to support God's people. Do you know where God is at work in you? Like, where do things work? If you don't know, ask somebody. Like, ask somebody, you know, because it's a place where the spirit manifests. It, It shows up, it becomes clear. Ask somebody, where do you see the spirit in my life? Like, where does the spirit show up in me? When does it become clear in me? And then use that. Ask the Lord, how does he want you to use that? Again, it's gonna look different at different times in your life. Your gifts may be different. Your ministries may be different. Your results certainly are gonna be different. That's okay, that's all him. You are not gonna be graded on your results. You're just gonna be graded on whether you obeyed. Did you do what scripture says to do? 
those places where God's spirit has given you something, some place where God's spirit shows up in your life. You know, for some people, it's when they cook. For some people, it's when they sing. For some people, it's when they sit at the computer and do administration. There's this huge diversity. Did you know there are over 350,000 species of beetles in the world? I mean, seriously, why did God need to make 350,000 different kinds of beetles? Wouldn't one or two have been enough? He is into huge amounts of creative craziness. Look at all the trees. Look at all the insects. Look at all, when God made the world, he didn't make one beetle. He didn't make a thousand beetles. He made over 350,000 different types of beetles. Those are just the ones we found. There are probably more out there. There's this huge variety of gifts, huge different ways that the Lord Spirit shows up in his people's lives. But it's up to you to use it. It's up to you to do what Paul says, to take whatever that is, whenever that is, because it changes over time. That's totally up to him. You'll have different ministries, gifts change. It's him. It comes from him. It goes out to all of us and it comes back to him. Are you doing it? If you're not, if you don't even know what it is, ask some people, where do you see God's spirit showing up in my life? And ask God what you should be doing with it. If God has gifted you with the ability to X, then ask him how he wants you to use X for him. And then then go for it. Put it before him. Don't worry about the results. That's his business. We're going to close, as we always do, with communion. We're going to remember him. Because remember what Paul said last week. This is the place where Paul makes application. When you take this meal, Paul says, you should be thinking about the body. You shouldn't just be thinking about you and Jesus You should be thinking about us. As you take this meal, as you come down and get the bread and get the cup, as as you sit with it and wait for everyone else to get it, as we take it together, ask the Lord these things. If you don't know where God's spirit shows up in your life, ask him to tell you, to reveal it to you. If you're not sure about how to use it and what you're doing, ask him, how should you use it and what should you be doing? And listen, listen to see what he has to say. So let me pray for us and then I'll guide us as we take communion. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for your kindness. Thanks that you've gifted us. You could do all this yourself. You could do all these things. You don't need us. You don't need to enable us with these gifts. You don't need to give us these ministries. You don't need to put energy into us so then we get the results of that energy from our ministries. You could just do all this yourself and you could get all the glory and all the praise and all the thanks. But instead, you bring us along with you. Thank you. That's really kind. I pray for my brothers and sisters. as We've talked again about community, about the importance of using what you have given us to build up your church, to to further what you, Jesus, are doing in the world. Lord, I pray you would speak to us. If there's folks here that aren't sure of where they have a manifestation of your spirit, of what it is that you have given them, how you have gifted them, then I pray you would reveal that to them, Holy Spirit. I pray as we sit, as we prepare, as we take communion, as we remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us, speak to us, tell us, reveal to us what you have done in us and how you are at work in us and reveal to us what you want us to do about it. How do you want us to use the gifts that you have given us? How do you want us to be involved in the ministries you've called us to? And and help us to be okay with the results. 
You decide results, not us. Jesus, I pray this for our great good because we need it. You don't need it, we need it. We pray it in your name though, Lord, because we need you. It all comes from you and it all goes back to you. And so we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.